Well, this is the third week of a series we're calling David for King. David is an incredibly important figure for us to become acquainted with because so much time is dedicated to his story in the Old Testament in the first and second books of Samuel and in the first book of Chronicles. David becomes the gold standard. More than that, David is a foreshadow of Christ himself, and David's throne and his kingdom foreshadow the church. So David is a very important figure for us to know. If you've missed part one and two of this series, you can read or hear them on our website, saintmary.life. We are first introduced to David when God expresses his displeasure in the current king of Israel, King Saul. Saul does not please God because he does not seek God's heart, and God says he's going to put a king in place who is a man after his own heart. So God sends the prophet Samuel to anoint David, king of Israel. But that doesn't happen right away. When David is anointed king of Israel, nothing really changes. He's still the shepherd in this little town of Bethlehem. He's still basically a nobody. Last week, we talked about how when David steps up to take on the giant Goliath, everything changes for him. Whereas everybody else sees a giant problem, David sees a giant opportunity. He's fed up with Goliath mocking the nation of Israel and the God of Israel, so he kills Goliath. And from there, his life changes. He enrolls in the Israel army, and there he begins to have success. As David's popularity swells in the nation, King Saul becomes very jealous and envious. In fact, his envy consumes him so much, he tries to kill David. David escapes from the court of King Saul, and his life takes a few twists and turns. I encourage you to read the first book of Samuel, so you can read it for yourself. But eventually, we're told in that first book of Samuel, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adalom. And when his brothers and his father's house heard it, they went down to him. So David's family comes and comforts him. Then we read, And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, and he became captain over them. There were about 400 men. So there are people who are in distress, in debt and discontented. They start following David. So this isn't exactly an all-star cast. What this verse is telling us is things are not good in the kingdom. People are not happy with King Saul, and a portion of them are now joining David. So David is the leader of these 400 men. And from this cave, they move on to the forest of Judah, where David is kind of a Robin Hood with 400 not-so-merry men. Eventually, David hears the Philistines are fighting against the village of Kilah and are robbing the wheat from the threshing floors. Hence, the people of Kilah have a problem, and David, who has a good heart, feels like he should help them with this problem. He's a warrior after all. But before he goes and helps, he does a very smart thing. David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kilah. David does not go and help until he prays about it. For some of you, this is a really important lesson because you, like David, have a really good heart and you want to help people. The problem, though, is sometimes you're helping too many people because you think you have to help everyone. Do you know that you do not have to help everyone? Even God doesn't want you to solve everyone else's problems. So David, before rushing in to solve someone else's problems, prays about it. God says, go ahead and do it. So David goes to his men and says, we're going to fight a battle. And this is how his men respond. Behold, 
We're afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Kila against the armies of the Philistines? So David's men are saying, David, are you crazy? You know, we're already afraid for our lives here in the forest. And by the way, if we go up there, even if we do beat the Philistines, King Saul's going to know exactly where we are. David's men push back against David, but David does not give in. He goes back to God and inquires of the Lord again, and the Lord answers him, Arise, go down to Kila, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. Once again, God says, I want you to do this, David. Now the question I have is, how did David know he heard from God? How did God talk to David? Scripture doesn't actually tell us that, and I think the reason is because God speaks differently to different people. I spoke to a staff member earlier about this message, and he said, you know, when God talks to me, it's like a sledgehammer. For me, though, I feel like when God speaks to me, it's like a still, small voice in my heart. In any case, David hears from God, and he goes and fights. David and his men went to Kila and fought with the Philistines and took away their cattle and made a great slaughter among them. So David is victorious. David does what God asked him to do, and he's victorious. He helps these people. He defeats the Philistines, so people in this village can now have food. But more than that, the men have all these cattle, and that's huge. I mean, they've been living in a forest, and they've had to forage for food. But now, because they follow what God said, they have steaks and burgers for dinner. This all seems pretty good. But remember, Saul now knows where David is. Now Saul's coming after David, and he's coming with an army. So what does David do? He turns back to God and says, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Kila to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Kila surrender me into his hands? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, I beg you, tell your servant, God, I want your wisdom and counsel. And the Lord said, he will come down. Yep, Saul's coming. So David then says, okay, will the men of Kila surrender me and my men into the hands of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. Yep, don't trust them, David. So David knows it's not safe to stay in that town, that he has to go. The scriptures tell us from there that he, and now 600 men, leave that town and go to the caves of en -Jedi. And there an awesome story takes place, an awesome episode in David's life, and we're going to talk about that next week. It's a great, great story if you're trying to figure out some things in your life. But I want to return to that phrase we hear over and over again that David inquired of the Lord. It's mentioned over and over again throughout the first and second books of Samuel. David would inquire of the Lord. He would seek the Lord's counsel and wisdom. One of the reasons why David was a man after God's heart was because he sought God's counsel. He practiced asking God for his wisdom. And that makes sense for us to do as well. God is smarter than us. God is smarter than you. He's smarter than me. And we have access to God, who is the author of life and from whom all wisdom comes. I want that relationship David had so I can hear God's intimate, personal counsel to me. So it makes sense for us to seek God and his wisdom. So why don't we do it? Maybe you've never done it. Why is that? Why don't we seek God's wisdom or counsel? 
I think one reason is we think it's only for Bible heroes or saints. But let me tell you that these stories in the Bible are there as models to follow. They're not there to say, hey, here's a bunch of great relationships God had with people two or 3,000 years ago, but aren't available to you today. No, it's a model. God's saying, I want that kind of a relationship with you as well. Another reason we might not do this is it can sound weird. You know, somebody comes up to you and says, God told me to do this. You're like, all right, back off, brother. We also hear stories about people who've done terrible things because God told them to. Let me say this. First of all, far more good has been done in the world because God's voice was alive in their hearts. Far more good's been done in the world because people have slowed down to listen to God's voice. Far more good's been done in the world as they listen to God's voice than harm has ever been done. We just hear about the bad things. And by the way, all those bad things, they really didn't hear from God. We know that, don't we? So maybe another reason why we don't do this is ignorance. We think of prayer just as talking to God, but prayer is not just talking to God. We tell our kids, say your prayers. But prayer is not just saying or talking to God. Prayer is a conversation with God. Sometimes we forget that. This happens to me all the time. You know, for example, I have an issue here at church, a problem we're trying to solve, and rather than turn to God and ask him what to do, I get more and more frustrated. Does that happen to you? Another reason we don't ask God is pride. Hey God, I can handle life on my own. No, no you can't. You can't. Another reason we don't converse with God is fear. Hey, if I talk to God and I hear God's counsel, I might hear something I don't want to do. You know what? You're absolutely right. At some point, if you make this a practice of seeking God's counsel, you will hear something you don't want to do. Even Jesus had that happen to him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was praying, Father, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do this. But as he stayed in the garden, he kept praying and praying. He aligned his will to his heavenly Father's will. You know, when we hear things from God that we really do not want to do, that is when we sometimes experience the most potential for growth. And finally, it's just a lack of practice. We haven't done it before, so we don't do it. It takes practice to get better at prayer. And so we want to work on practicing, listening to God. Maybe you have a problem you're trying to fix at work or at home. Would you just lay that before God and say, God, I want to be like David. I want to hear your wisdom. And like David, I'm inquiring, Lord, what should I do? And then for this week, every time you wake up in the morning or maybe every time you think about this problem, this issue, this decision, you would say, God, please give me your wisdom. Please show me where you want me to go. I promise you, if you can make this a practice, three things will happen. Number one, you'll make better decisions. You'll experience more victory in the choices you make. Number two, you will have a greater sense of peace in your life. But third, and most importantly, your heart will be drawn closer to your Heavenly Father. Because as we seek God's wisdom and counsel, like David, we will become more and more men and women who are after God's heart.